When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. How could I possibly be expected to handle school on a day like this? Chicago! Here comes the hook! Just got you on the hook. What? What? I'm not on the hook. Oh, you are totally on the hook. Jay Scott, and it is The Hook Rocks. Thanks for tuning in once again. As I always mention, I always appreciate you tuning in and giving us a listen. Don't forget to leave us a five-star review at the end of the episode. We always appreciate the feedback. And don't forget to visit us with other great music-related podcasts on the Pantheon Podcast platform, pantheonpodcast.com. You can follow them on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook at Pantheon Pods. You can do the same with The Hook Rocks as well on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. So please give us a search and don't forget to follow us, like us on all podcast platforms that you listen to and get your podcast. We uh, had some great episodes recently. We just welcomed Josh Todd from Buck Cherry. We also welcomed George Lynch and Kip Winger over the last few weeks too as well. Some great new artists like the band Abrams, the Nashville singer-songwriter Jax Hollow. We did our live album review that we do quarterly called uh, or taking uh, the conversation into the Cheap Trick at Budokan album, as well as our audio quarterly episode with Professor Skylabs on what's new in audio and what was presented at the audio show in April, the largest one in North America, talking about million-dollar audio systems and six-figure audio systems, which is completely like above my 
above my head on that. So uh, please enjoy that episode. Some great information that he always brings to as well. And we are approaching our 500th episode, but today we're celebrating our four-year anniversary. So uh, we do appreciate all the support through the years, and we look forward to continuing on. And we have a very special guest, uh, artist that I've been looking to interview now for some time. And we're going to be talking about our new album coming out on July 7th. We're going to be talking about the new single, Victorious, with previous guest Dorothy Martin, from the band Dorothy, and her name is Nita Strauss. What's happening, Nita? How are you? I'm doing great. Thank you so much for having me on. Yeah, I, I appreciate you doing this. I've been a big fan of yours for a while, been been wanting to, to have you on. I know one of my previous guests, Abby Kay, um, you've got a relationship with her. She's been on here a few times, too, talking about her music. I know you guys did a tour, I think, at the end of 2022, or end of 2021 into 2022, maybe. That was it. I get all time confused because of the pandemic. There's like no markers of time. So it's hard to remember what year that was and when that happened. So, but welcome to the Hook Rocks. Thank you for doing this. Thank you so much. Yes, I love Abby. Absolutely think of her as a little sister. And it's always great to do shows with her. Awesome. Awesome. So we always begin the same way we have a first time guest. And that is the same question that uh, kind of the essence of our podcast. And that is just like a great song has a hook that pulls you in. A rock band has a moment, whether it's a song, an album, a band performance that hooked them on rock and roll. What was it for you? Uh, for me, it was actually a movie, um, and which is funny because I'm not really a movie person. But uh, the movie was a little guitar movie called Crossroads. And when I saw Steve Vai in Crossroads, that for me was the moment of like, that's what I want to do. That was such a killer movie. I, you know, Ralph Macchio, of course, did the Karate Kid thing and he was familiar with that. And then he's doing this movie about the crossroads that, you know, the story of, of the lore of Robert Johnson and the crossroads. And Steve Vai was like this evil character and, and, you know, playing the, 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 the metal and against the blues. And yeah, that was a pretty cool movie. Totally. Although I will say I watched it recently and it wasn't like as good of a film as I remember it being. It really, I think it was just the scene at the end that really captivated so many people. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. What was it about that that led you to playing guitar? There was just something in the way that Steve I does what he does, you know, he's sort of that perfect blend of uh, charisma and performance and technique. You know, he's, He's playing this incredible technical music, but he makes it look fun and easy and showy. And that's sort of, that's what I aspire to do with my music. Was that the moment that you wanted to pick up guitar or was there something else beyond that that came after? Uh, so I actually already had a guitar at that point. My dad is a musician. He was a touring musician for many years before I was born. So uh, we have music in the family. We always had instruments around. But that was the moment that was like, I want to take this seriously. When was it the point that you started creating and in, in writing music or, you know, was there a band that inspired, you know, a song or an instrumental in this case, you know, because of Steve Vai that wanted you to keep, you know, pursuing creativity with the guitar? I think I was writing pretty much from the beginning. You know, I think a lot of young musicians sort of get out there and just bang out their first songs. I started playing when I was 13. So it's that sort of angsty time where you want to create, you want to get some some musical therapy out, if you will. 
So uh, I started creating pretty much instantly and then sort of fell into the hired gun thing for several years where I wasn't really creating as much. I was just touring, playing other people's music and then really didn't start focusing, you know, really clearly on my own stuff again until my first solo record in 2018. When you think of the guitar, I, I find it a fascinating instrument and I've had so many guitar players on the show and you know, when you look at the the instrument, it's it's limited, right? I mean, it only has a certain number of, of of frets. It only has a certain number of chords that you can play on it. And it's really up to the individual to get the most out of it or to create their own sound and, you know, signify themselves from other people. How do you approach that? How do you approach that guitar? I think that as long as you have your own identity as an artist, that you know what you want to say and how you want to say it, I think that finding your voice uh, comes fairly easily, you know, because I think it's only if you don't really have a clear vision of who you are and what you want to say that you wind up struggling with with that identity type of thing. When you were playing at a very young age and th- you know through the years, what was important to you? Was it the tone was it the way you know the, your influences you know influence you the way you play what was it about or or where did you pursue first with the guitar um i loved performing on stage i love playing live i always have i got the bug you know since being a kid and competing in gymnastics i you know i'm a big show off so uh my focus you know of course like i want to be a great player i want to have good technique but I love delivering an epic stage show. I love being on stage and having people leave and going, wow, like I'm going to go and see her again. Whatever band she's playing with, I want to come see her again when she comes around. Was there a band or a performer that you saw that you kind of wanted to embody in, with that performance? Um, I wouldn't say any one thing in particular, aside from sort of the, the Jack Butler crossroads vibe, you know. Uh, I really... I want what I do to look like fun. I want what I want people to come away from my show thinking like, I want to do that. That looks like she's having a good time. You know, I had Joe Satriani on last year when he put out his solo album and I asked him, you know, we're going to get into the album here in a little bit, but the way a guitarist speaks through a guitar is different than someone who writes lyrics. And now that you've put out, you're going to be putting out this album that has songs that you've written how is it different? How do you approach it when you're speaking solely through a note, solely through an instrumental? For me, it's actually a lot easier to express myself just through the instrumental track. I find the lyric writing process kind of tedious and limiting um, because you have these sort of rules of rhymes and syllables and everything has to be just so. And if you're writing an instrumental piece, you really can you can phrase it any way you want. You know, you just make note choices and arrangement choices that sort of serve the the vibe that you're trying to put out there with the song. And you can just sort of pour emotion out freely without worrying about rhyme scheme and, you know, uh, the, the syllables per line and all that kind of stuff. Uh, so I find writing instrumental pieces a lot more freeing, if you will. However, you you need to convey an emotion, right? I mean, that's the thing. That's the, that's the, um, I think the difference between great guitar players and good guitar players, you know, being a great guitar player yourself, you know, how do you envision something in the beginning when you're writing and creating, how do you get the emotion that you want to get into 
the instrumental to have it translate to people who absorb it and listen to it? I think just have to have the story firmly in your mind as you're creating the song. You know, if you're sitting there going like, oh, I want to write a sad song, but you're not really thinking about the story, I think it will come across. You know, for me, I'm a very emotional musician. So uh, I wear my heart on my sleeve or on my fretboard, you know, for lack of a better term. And uh, I'm really gratified that a lot of the times when people hear my music, they really can pick up what I was trying to say in those songs, you know, sort of pick up on the story and what it's supposed to be about. And uh, I think you just have to keep keep that story firmly in your mind as you're crafting the song. A lot of guitar players hear a riff, right? And they have their, their digital recorder next to them at all times. You know, they, they hum a riff into a phone and they wake up in the middle of the night or wherever they're at. And it, it kind of begins the creation of a song or begins the creation of a melody or whatever you, you're, you're looking to do. When you're creating an instrumental and you have a riff in your, in your head and you, a melody and you start to play with it and you're playing around with it. Does that come first with creating or does, well, let me phrase it this way. Does, does the melody and the riff come first? And then when it, what you're trying to convey emotionally, is that secondary or is that from the beginning too as well? Oh, the emotion, the story has to come first. There's that's it. Like for me, at least there's no song without the story. So I have to think about, okay, I want to write a song about, you know, uh, here's an example. I have a song on my first record called Mariana Trench. And I wrote that song after we had completed a successful Kickstarter for the release of the record. Um, my Kickstarter was 800% funded. I suddenly had more money than I had ever had in my, my entire life in my account. And I was like, I've never made a record before. You know, I, I have no idea what to do with this now. I wanted to self-produce. I wanted to engineer everything myself. And I had no idea how to go about it. And I started feeling this immense amount of pressure. And I wanted to write a song. I wanted to write a song about it. I wanted to get my musical therapy session in and write a song about it. So uh, I wrote a song called Mariana Trench, which is the place on the earth that we know of with the most pressure, the deepest point in the ocean. And I tried to keep that at the forefront of my mind, as we said earlier, and make sort of note choices and conscious decisions that enforce that feeling of like pressure and being dragged under and, you know, glimpses of light, glimpses of hope, but really feeling like you're being pushed down. So, you know, there's this whole bridge section with these deep dive bombs and stuff like that, where it just sort of gives that, that evokes that emotion of being dragged under. And uh, that's, I just think the story has to come first. I know I'm kind of a broken record, but stories first without the story for me, there's no song. Has there ever been a situation where you've created a piece of music and you went in wanting to convey the emotion of something else, but then when you heard it back, it felt different. It felt maybe different than what you originally intended it for. And it became something else because you know, to, to not to interrupt real quick, but when we talked, you know, a moments ago about lyric writing versus music writing, you are confined to, a, you know, to lyrics. And once you commit to that story, that's what the song is. But is there more of a freedom with, I went in wanting to create a song with my emotion to hear and then when I look back at it and listen to it, it became something different and it went into a different direction because you're because you're not limited with the lyrics. Um, not for me personally. I feel like there could definitely be room for that. Um, I just haven't had that experience. Like when I write it, that's what it's about. 
Um, but instrumental music is subjective. And that's one thing I really love about it is different songs can mean different things to different people. You know, uh, I have a song on my first record called Hope Grows. And while I know what it meant to me, I've had people tell me, you know, they listened to it after the passing of a family member and it brought them peace or they've thought of it as a conversation with our higher power and it brought them that peace in that way. So just because it means one thing to me doesn't mean it can't take on another meaning for another listener. And I like that about it. It's sort of a universal language. Music is right. I mean, music is able, you're able to communicate with music for people who know different languages and different cultures. You know, it's such a, 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 a magic that we have with music that if you're feeling something, you can, play this for someone who's completely different than you are and you both can feel the same thing, feel different. And then you can have a conversation about it, you know, and it's such a beautiful thing. As far as your influences, you mentioned Steve Vai and the Crossroads movie, but what are are your, some of your favorite players as you've kind of grown and evolved into who you are today? Uh, I've always really enjoyed uh, players like Steve Vai who make the instrument seem like fun. You know, so, uh, of course, your Satriani, Marty Friedman, Jason Becker, Paul Gilbert. Um, I love listening to Jennifer Batten, the queen of shred, the OG empress of what we do. Uh, I'll never forget seeing footage of her playing at the Super Bowl with Michael Jackson for the first time. And just, you know, this charisma, uniqueness, talents, everything that you could want, all with like this technical ability of the shreddingest wizard that you've ever seen pick up a guitar. Uh, and those are the people that inspire me, just people that make what we do look like fun. I was just having this conversation about, you know, guitar playing and the difference between more of a feel player and a technical player. And I've always thought that Eddie Van Halen was able to kind of merge both the first one to actually merge feeling and technique, because you mentioned fun. You know, there's no it, when I was growing up as a kid, there was no greater fun than listening to Van Halen. And a lot of that was because of the craziness that Eddie was doing and the way he played. But also he was a great rhythm player, rhythm right into the lead, right back out with very great, great timing. And he just was able to show his personality on that guitar. And now we have so many guitar players later who've kind of followed that from him. But I, I think that hearing a guitar, if it's fun, it's so much more appealing to the ears. Totally agree. Yes. And then also, too, to kind of touch on who you mentioned, Jason Becker, you know, seeing your video of you visiting Jason several years ago. I mean, he's such an inspiring individual that the documentary is so inspiring, you know, and where his history was with his playing with Marty Friedman, as you mentioned. Um, You know, it goes without saying that, you know, it is sad that, you know, he's in the place he is right now, but you know, his playing and having fun, when you look at his, the the footage of him when he was younger, the smile on his face and the playing, I mean, it's just infectious. Yes, absolutely. Couldn't agree more. Your new album comes out July 7th, Call to the Void, and it's got a collection of songs with different singers and instrumentals. What was the genesis of this? Where did this come from in terms of creating and the idea of putting this together? Yeah, so The Call of the Void is really, I think, the sort of next step in the natural progression of of where I would go as an artist. It would have been, I think, a lot more comfortable to just stick with the instrumental stuff and stay in my lane. Uh, but I wanted to take risks. I wanted to do something different and do something fresh and exciting. So 
Uh, we do have some instrumental tracks on the album, which I'm extremely proud of. But we branched out and we did some guest appearances with lots of different vocalists. So uh, we have had wonderful radio success already with two of the songs, uh, Dead Inside with David Jeremy went to number one for three weeks at Rock Radio. Uh, the next radio single is Victorious with the incredible Dorothy on vocals just came out a few weeks ago, already at number 28 on the charts, which is incredible to me. And uh, yeah, it's it's just been a fun journey to to take this step into uncharted waters for me. The song with Dorothy is incredible. You know, she's a great artist. She's a great talent, uh, a very spiritual being. She's been on the show a couple times, too, as well. And when I saw the the collaboration, I was really excited because you've always been one of my favorite guitar players. She's, you know, one of my favorite singers that's out there right now. And the song just really hits. And what was the process with that and writing with her and creating with her? Thank you so much. Uh, so actually, this this was one of the few songs on the record that we had a pretty much completed product. Uh, I didn't have a chance really to create with Dorothy as much. This was uh, a creation of Tommy Henriksen. There's a couple different writers that I worked with over the course of this this album. And Tommy Henriksen from the Alice Cooper band was the driving force behind two of the songs on the record. It was the Alice Cooper track and Victorious. Victorious is a Tommy Henriksen creation. And uh, so... We had all the music done and the lyrics and everything. We sent it off to Dorothy. She just knocked it out of the park. I mean, delivered it like only she could. And then we got to get together and film a music video for it, which was amazing because she, like you said, is such a huge personality, such a bundle of energy, you know, just raw, God-given talent right there. And uh, it was absolutely a joy to work with her on, you know, the the finished product of this song. And I, I'd love to work with her again. And also, you also have a song with Lizzie Hale, too, from Hailstorm, which I know excites a lot of Hailstorm fans. And what was that process like? Hello, Pantheon Podcast listeners. Christian Swain here to tell you more about my experience with Raycon earbuds. Our family now has three pairs of Raycon earbuds around the house. And my wife just grabbed a pair of the headphone pros to replace some headphones from a company that was double the price. And yes, she loves them. Now, if you haven't pulled the trigger on a pair of Raycons, or even if you have, but you're in the market for another pair because they're just that good, well, now is the time to check them out because they just launched their upgraded model of the best-selling everyday earbuds. With Raycon's upgraded everyday earbuds, now you also get active noise cancellation, ergonomic design, and multi-point connectivity that lets you pair with two devices at once. New quick charge function, three customizable sound styles plus awareness mode, available in a variety of vibrant new colors to complement any and all skin tones. I even have a pair of earbuds in a cool green color. I have tried just about every earbud known to humankind, and these Raycons are fantastic. Seriously, if you've been wanting to check out Raycons, there truly is no better time. You're going to ask yourself why you didn't check them out sooner, and Raycon offers a 30-day happiness guarantee. So what are you waiting for? Go to buyraycon.com slash pantheon today to get 20% off your Raycon order, plus free shipping. That's right. You'll get 20% off and free shipping at buyraycon.com slash pantheon. Buyraycon.com slash pantheon. Hey, 
It's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Yeah, Lizzie is just a generational talent. I mean, absolutely one of a kind. No one, no one like her doing it right now in the world. And uh, it was a similar process. You know, we had a song pretty much completed, sent it off to her, and she, of course, took it and put the Lizzie Hale spin on it, which just took it to the stratosphere. I mean, the song was good before she sang on it. And when she sang on it, it just took it to a level I could have never, ever imagined. So uh, an absolutely honor to create with her. I would love to uh, get a chance to tour together, play that song live. Maybe it would be so much fun. You know, you have a, a, a wide variety of, of people that you collaborated on this. And how did you pick or what was behind picking who to collaborate with and and who to have to sing these songs where did that come from um it was a pretty good mix of like hey who who do i know who do i you know whose voice do i hear on these uh a lot of it was you know we would write these songs and be like okay this this song could use a a powerful female vocal you know so this could be dorothy it could be lizzie it could be lilith sar who we have on a song called monster um and uh, I knew, of course, I wanted to have Alice on a song because we've been working together so long and I wanted to sort of bridge that gap between being the hired gun and actually working, recording together. And now, of course, we've made two recording, you know, uh, efforts together. We did the song for my record and uh, I got to write and play on the upcoming Alice Cooper Road album. Uh, so it's just like a little mix of both, you know, who do we know, who do we want to have? And, uh, there's still some people left on the wish list for the next album, which is fun, too. You mentioned your evolution as an artist, which is important to every artist, right? You want to evolve and, and you want to move away from the first thing that you created to present day. I mean, it's always, it's always the goal, right? You, and, and because you're evolving as a person, your music is naturally going to evolve too as well. But when you are looking to do that, a lot of it happens naturally. Like I said, you're evolving as a person. So this is a natural cause and effect, but. There's also working with different people and working with different individuals that kind of bring that out of you, too. Is it important for you to have a little bit of discomfort when you're creating with someone to bring that out of you? You know, I know some people work with people where they where they, you know, they butt heads. But at the end of the day, that tension creates this beautiful music and you become a better artist as a result of it. How do you see it for yourself? Yeah, this this record was my first time working with uh, other people on my solo music. Um, my first record, I produced it myself, I engineered it myself, I recorded everything myself. If I knew how to mix it, I would have mixed it myself. And then, you know, it, we I was in charge of all the artwork, all the stuff. And I think that this second record, where I was able to let go of the reins a little bit and work with different writers, different producers, you know, to craft these songs a little more carefully from a little bit more of a mature standpoint. Um, I think the record is better because of it. So yes, I think it's very important to realize that uh, no one person is an island and to be able to work with people that can help you bring what you're already doing to the next level. 
it's important for you to have people in the room too that have a different perspective as well. And you know, a lot of that yes. adds to you know the discomfort in the studio or the the stress in the studio because you go in with your demos and you go in you know and you're ready to go and you think it's you know the greatest thing since sliced bread and you've got someone in there going well maybe you should do this and maybe you should do that and sometimes maybe you're not always on board and maybe you are but explain how you can overcome that pushback and that you know hearing something that maybe you don't like about something that you love it's very difficult honestly that that for me is probably the most difficult part of making this record is you know as they say the demoitis you know you you hear the demo and you're like, I don't think anything's going to be better than this. Um, but I have never been happier to be wrong. Uh, you know, when I listen back to my original demos now, uh, I just hear the evolution of the song. I hear how much better it is now that, you know, it's had other ears on it and, uh, you know, different influences and just made it each and every song much better than how it was when it was just me in my home studio putting it together. So uh very very happy to have been wrong all these times and I look forward to being wrong about it again in the future I imagine it's important for any artist to align themselves with someone that can push but also knows what you need and what you want out of this record you know that maybe is aligned with where you're going but maybe has a different route to get there and brings you on that route too as well and you know, it's it's kind of like a, a young kid sometimes where it's kicking and screaming, you know, but at the end, you you all did the right thing. I spoke to an artist one time that he was working with a producer that one day he went home and he cried in the shower. But because he was told that his guitar playing on the song was terrible and, and all this stuff. But when the record was released, he listened to it. He's like, yeah, you know, the producer was right. You know, he he knew what he was talking about. Have you ever had those moments where like, man, like this is not what I expected, you know, and this is not what I want, but you kept at it and here you are. Oh, definitely. Uh, my first day driving home from my first co-write for this record, I cried the whole way home. And I told uh, my boyfriend, who's also my manager, I was like, I don't want to write with any outside writers anymore. This is not how I want that song to go, you know. Um, and I was like, listen, I've never worked with anybody that ever told me I was terrible. You know, like I just, I don't think I would do well in that environment, but you know, I, I wasn't used to having someone in the room that didn't agree with every single thing I said. Um, and when you look back at it, like, that's not healthy. You don't want a yes person in the room telling you that everything you're doing is, is amazing. You want somebody in the room that will make you better. And, uh, you know, I was driving home from the studio in tears, acting like a child, throwing a temper tantrum because I didn't get my way on every single note of that song. And guess what? That song is the Lizzie Hale song. And that song is going to go to radio and and probably be huge. And if I had just sat there and dug my heels in and been stubborn about it, who knows if it even would have you know been good enough to send to somebody like Lizzie. So uh, I think, again, I'm, I am not too proud to admit when I'm wrong, I'm happy to have been wrong so many times over the course of making this record and i think that's just sort of part of it how do you overcome that like when you're in that car and you're having your moment and you know you you want to cancel the next writing session you don't want to do this anymore how how do you find it within yourself to say no i got to pursue this i got to keep going i mean at the end of the day i'm a professional you know i'm 
I'm not going to cancel something that I, that I committed to, especially, you know, unless I absolutely had to, you know, um, I wouldn't do it over an emotional outburst like that. You know, I'll, I put on a game face and showed up the next day and, and wrote the, the Chris Motionless track, Digital Bullets, you know, so we got two incredible feature songs out of this writing trip, you know, my very first writing trip that we went on. And uh, I think that will be good fuel for me in the future whenever I feel like walking out on a session or something like that. If I feel like it's not going my way, just remembering, well, I thought that one wasn't going to go my way. And look how it turned out. Maybe the better question is, how do you bridge to that trust that you need to continue on, right? How do you develop that when you're in that writing session and you've never been told that this is wrong or, or, or whatnot, like you just said, how do you, how do you come to that trust for that partner that you're writing with? I'll let you know if I ever figure it out. <laughs> <laughs> Fair Honestly, enough. Fair I, enough. I'm, I'm still very new to, to the world of the co-writes. You know, I've, I've done less than 20 in my life, you know, some for my records, some for other artists records. Um, and so I, I'm still navigating it. I'm still navigating the waters, uh, but uh, I'll keep you posted if I figure it out. Was that something that you considered too, when you started this project and started this album and kind of laid out what you wanted to do and knowing that you really haven't done a lot of co-writing, you were going to be doing this. There had to be a level of excitement. There had to be a level of nervousness too, as well. Like, how is this all going to work? How did you, how, how did you overcome that? Like, how did you realize that this was probably the best for your evolution as an artist that you needed to do this? Sometimes you just got to jump in the deep end of the pool. You know, like I didn't, I didn't have a lot of downtime to to think about it and go back and forth on the decision. Once we knew we were going to do it, we just did it. As you look back on this album, it's ready to, to be released here in just a couple of weeks. Um, what excites you the most about it? What do you, what excites you for your fans that are about to listen to this? I am so proud of the evolution between my first record and this one. And I'm just excited to finally unleash this record on the world. I've been finished playing guitar on this for a long time. So I'm excited to get it out there, play these songs live. You know, we're in the middle of a tour right now. So we've been playing a lot of the new stuff live every day and seeing the reaction to the new songs is really, it's really gratifying. So I just, I can't wait for the world to hear this record. How do you maintain that connection with something like that you've played on that's been done for a while and you're just waiting for it to be released so people can share in the excitement that you've had for months? How do you stay connected with it? Playing it live helps, you know, hearing the the fans reaction to hearing these songs live for the first time. We're doing the Lizzie Hale song on the tour, which is not released yet. So getting to give people that excitement of hearing it for the first time definitely helps keep it alive for me. Where you're at now creatively and your playing wise, are you happy where you're at as an artist? I don't think you can ever truly be happy with where you're at. You know, no guitar player that I've ever met has been like, yeah, I'm good enough. I don't need to learn anything new. I'm fine. <laughs> so uh, I, I definitely think I'll always still have mountains to climb. And is there already ideas for your next project? I mean, usually artists are so forward thinking, right? You know, and they're always looking for that next adrenaline rush with creativity. How do you stay in the moment with this album? And then also, you know, temper the the looking forward honestly i don't think i've ever been this overwhelmed and busy in my entire life <laughs> um 
I've been on tour nonstop um, between Alice Cooper tours and Demi Lovato tours and my solo music and working with the LA Rams and doing the fitness challenge, body shred and working on my Patreon. Uh, I have not even had time to think about being creative. So uh, I think once this album cycle tapers down a bit, then I'll start thinking about the next one. Nita, yeah. it's been a blast. Thank you very much for doing this. I do appreciate the time and the conversation. So thank you very much. I really appreciate you having me on. Thank you very much. Thank you. All right, everyone. That is, that is Nita Strauss. Get her new album, Call to the Void, out July 7th. I'm Jay Scott. This is The Hook Rocks. Talk to you soon. Take care. Thank you. It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more Fantasy Points.